Father, we're here to celebrate the birth of Christ. Father, we're thankful that you came and you dwelt among us, that you sent your son uh, to be born. Father, we're here to, we're, we're grateful that we can celebrate that today. Uh, we, can, we can say that uh, you have given us hope because Christ has come. Uh, we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Um, let me go ahead and say uh, hello to the many of you who are watching online this week. Uh, we know so many of you are traveling, uh, and who, and that, and, but just know that uh, we know that you're missed, and we're excited to see everybody back here again in the new year. You know, it's so fun to see how far we've come from this time last year, uh, specifically with our music ministry. You know, last year, um, at this time, y'all, we literally had no one, Okay. Um, <laughs> we had a handful of individuals coming in from other churches just to help us and kind of doing a solo gig. Uh, and here we are at the end of the year um, with eight or nine people just from within our own church that are uh, helping us and serving us in any way in, in various music capacities. Um, and so, y'all, it's so easy in a year like 2020 to lose sight of the Lord's grace on our church. Uh, and this is one small way for us to celebrate just the Lord's faithfulness uh, and the Lord's hand in our church. You know, so if you're, if you're here for the first time, um, or maybe you're just watching online, uh, what you're witnessing right now is a very small piece of what has been a whirlwind of a journey. Um, y'all, our church is not even a year old. In fact, we celebrate our very first uh, birthday uh, at the end of January, and so take this as an invitation to, to come back um, and celebrate with us in a few weeks. Uh, yes, <clears throat> in God's perfect sovereignty. It's still in his goodness and kindness. We launched our church, and seven weeks later, a global pandemic uh, came upon our world, leading us into one of the harder years our world and nation has experienced in a long time. Um, what pastors of all over the country have said, out of the 30 years in their ministry, this past year has been one of the hardest. Um, and y'all, may, maybe I'm crazy for saying this, uh, but in some ways, I believe the Lord has used it to greatly shape our church uh, that will impact us for years to come. You know, Lord has been teaching me so much this year, uh, and I believe has given me a clearer picture of what he has called our church to do and to be uh, here in Tampa that, that we hope will extend to the ends of the earth. And so I'll be sharing more of that in our next sermon series in the book of Psalms as we look at the God who restores. Uh, this, kind of looking at this, this theme surrounded with James 1, uh, 2 through 4 in the backdrop of the series, uh, and that begins next week. And so I hope you'll be prayerful and expectant as we continue to look towards the future of what God may have for our church. Uh, and just so you know, next week we have a guest, uh, we have a special guest preaching for us out of Psalm 61. Um, his name is Pastor Brian Miller. Uh, he's one of my good friends and is one of many that have been walking with me through our entire New City Church journey, helping us every step of the way from before anybody uh, knew anything of this, while New City Church was just a small seed of a vision and a thought. Uh, starting several years ago, Pastor Brian was one of the many guys uh, that has been with me, cheering us on and processing through this entire journey uh, and call with us. And so I'm excited that you'll get to hear from him through our online platform next week uh, through YouTube. Uh, you won't want to miss that. 
So that said, we're going to dive right in today and look at the birth of Jesus out of Matthew chapter 1. Um, and just as a fun Bible fact, uh, Jesus' birth story, story is found in the book of Matthew. Uh, it's, it's also in the book of uh, Luke. It's not in the book of Mark and in the book of John. It's not really a story. It's more of kind of poetic theology. Uh, in the book of Matthew, where we'll be today, it's told more from Joseph's perspective. Uh, while the book of Luke has far more details surrounding Mary, the mother of Jesus, and a lot more details uh, just in, around the birth story. And so uh, just to get us in the Christmas spirit, thinking about Jesus' birth, I want to give some insight to the birth of my children from my perspective, okay, uh, as the husband. As you may know, I have three kids, um, and each birth had its own unique fun flavor, um, I'm not going to go into the detail of each story, but I'll give a few quick details from my perspective as the dad. You know, our first child, um, Addie, when she was born, y'all, I was, <laughs> I was a nervous wreck, okay? Uh, a good old-fashioned hot mess, uh, driving my wife, Kelly, crazy. Um, at one point, while she was laboring at home, Kelly told me, Eric, uh, you need to get out of my face and go do something instructive. Um, so I went and built a shelf in Addie's room. Um, we went to the hospital, her water broke, we went to the hospital, uh, we had a baby, and then from that point on, our world was turned upside down. And then our next child, Stockton, um, I drove uh, to the hospital on her due date, she gets put into a room, the doctors walk in, uh, say it'll be a few hours, I'm like, okay, great, I'm hungry, I go to Burger King around the corner, I come back 25 minutes later, uh, all of a sudden there's all these doctors in the room, I go sit down calmly, eat my burger, um, Next thing I know, within minutes, our son was born. Um, Y'all, that kid has been coming in. He came in like a wrecking ball, and he's been the same way ever since. Um, and then our third child, <laughs> Precious Millie, our free-spirited third child, has been keeping us on our toes since the day she was born, before she was born, really. Um, Kelly has a blog somewhere of her side of the story uh, written down. You know, this is a crazy one. Um, but remember, this is my side of the story, and so I'm going to give you the brief cliff note version. Kelly was put on bed rest for several weeks. Um, our entire family uh, got sick while she was on bed rest. Um, while the kids were in bed, I was watching the Duke Carolina ACC Championship basketball game. Uh, Kelly comes in uh, while, she, while I was watching the game, um, says, hey, I'm driving myself to the hospital. Um, I'm like, okay. Uh, I call my sister because the kids were asleep. I, I call my sister to get to, to my house to stay with our sleeping kids. Kelly calls me while she's in the hospital, uh, says they're delivering the baby. Uh, I rush to the hospital. I barge into a room full of doctors and nurses who knew exactly what was going on. And I declare with extreme confidence to everyone in this jam-packed room, everybody calm down. Everything is going to be Okay. And then they all just stopped and stared at me uh, with blank stares, some clearly a little fearful, and none of them affirming anything I just said. Um, and then a nurse looks at me and says, uh, are you the daddy? And I say, yes. And the nurse says, okay, thanks. Uh, and then I become a little nervous, to say the least. Uh, then they wheel Kelly into the operating room. I get placed in this strange waiting room. Uh, they tell me to put on the scrubs. And of course, uh, I'm so nervous, I put the jumpsuit on backwards. I'm putting the booties over my hands. I couldn't get the gloves on. Uh, the hairnet was getting all tangled. Uh, and then the sweet nurse comes in and says to me, honey, you need some help, okay? Um, and so she helps me get dressed. I walk in, and within about 15 minutes of me being in the hospital, our sweet Millie was born. And over the next three and a half weeks, we stayed in the NICU, um, watching her grow and build strength so we could then bring her home. 
And so now I can faithfully say that, yes, everything was okay. Um, you know, there's so much more to this story, but from, from Kelly's perspective, um, you know, but like I said, this is my side of the story. If you want more details, ask Kelly to send you her blog post uh, with way more details than I just shared. But uh, which, again, this is uh, how the Matthew birth story is told. It's shown from Joseph's perspective, which as we get into this, I think you'll see this isn't the typical Jesus birth story we see in the Christmas place. You know, I, I read part of a book this week surrounding Joseph's story in the book of Matthew, and the author joked that growing up, um, he was the cow in the Christmas play uh, and had more lines than Joseph did, uh, because as you'll see, Joseph's side of the story doesn't give much detail surrounding the birth. However, what we see in the Matthew account, the details that are given, they are very significant. And one of the reasons uh, that it's shown from Joseph's perspective is because when you look at the beginning of Matthew, uh, it's, a long, uh, it's a long genealogy, it's a long list of names and that trace all the way back through the entire Old Testament uh, to an incredible promise that was made by God to his people. There were so many promises uh, that were made along the way, but one of the very first ones was that through Adam and Eve, uh, through their offspring, the very first people in the world, at the very beginning of the Bible, through their family lineage, there would be, a, there would be born a son that would go to war against God's enemy, which was the snake, uh, the serpent that was in the garden. And there's a children's book I've been reading to my kids. Um, it's, called the, it's called God's Biggest Story, and it refers to Jesus as the snake crusher. You know, showing how Jesus Christ would crush God's enemy, that snake, uh, which was Satan. And here we are, several thousands of years later, looking at the birth of Jesus Christ, the snake crusher, showing that God makes promises and keeps them and that he can be trusted. And let me tell you, you know, it may not seem like it at first, out of a quick first reading, but this story is dramatic and it's scandalous. You know, this, this story, it follows a very dark time in history, you know, a point in history where it seemed very dark and cold, as if God had completely forgotten them. Because at this point in history, uh, when Jesus was born, there had been 400 years of silence. 400 years where it felt like God had left them and abandoned them. There were 400 years of history between the last word in the Old Testament where, where Greek culture and the Roman Empire during this time was beginning to take over. And so for God's people, Israel, it was a bleak and dark time in history. Just as Isaiah said in Isaiah 8.22, there was a deep darkness. And where our story picks up today, that deep darkness is the backdrop of Jesus' birth which is why the famous Christmas hymn, O Holy Night, sings of a weary world. But as we know, and we'll see clearly today, God does not leave his people. God remains faithful and true, coming in to break the silence, to come into a thick darkness, to come and bring light into a dark world, to give us, as the song says, a thrill of hope, letting a weary world rejoice, which leads us to our main idea today. We celebrate Christmas because the light of Jesus has come. That's it. We celebrate Christmas because the light has come. You know, I don't, I don't know what you came in with today. Maybe you're watching online. And maybe you're just kind of checking this out. Or maybe you call New City Church home. Whatever you come in with today, one thing that this year has taught us is that we know that we, is that we, know that we still live in a dark and weary world. But because Jesus Christ, our light, I hope that you'll see today that we still have a thrill of hope. And as I hope you'll see, God doesn't come into perfect situations. No, um, since the beginning of time, 
God has been coming into messes and chaos and weariness and making them into his masterpiece. God comes into the dark corners of the world and shines a light into the darkness. And so maybe you're like many others who have looked back on 2020 and you're exhausted and weary and mentally, emotionally, and physically, or maybe even financially uh, just exhausted. I hope you'll hear the thrill of hope of God's word today. Maybe you've come, uh, maybe you've been caught up in a big old mess. Or maybe your, your life just feels like a big old mess. Or, or maybe you're lonely, or maybe you're experiencing the weight of the world, knowing that someone, something is just not right. Or maybe you're searching for something, trying to figure out what in the world will make you happy because it seems like nothing around you is working. You know, maybe your marriage is on the rocks, maybe your family is falling apart, or maybe your life situation isn't going as planned. Whatever it is, hear this today. Jesus comes into dark messes, shines a light on them, and he turns them into his masterpiece. And hear me on this. This doesn't mean that it will go as you planned. In fact, it may actually get harder before it gets better. But Jesus Christ is in the business of lavishing his love and care on those that cry out to him. And so if you're here today, I hope you'll pay attention. You know, as as we look at one small example of Jesus coming into a mess and making it a masterpiece, coming into a weary world with a thrill of hope. And so uh, this is what we're going to do for the rest of our time. I'm going to walk through uh, the story, explain a few things as I go, and then uh, we're going to look at our one big idea, seeing how Jesus is our light of hope at the, end, at the back end of our time. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, as we, as we look at what seems to be a scandalous mess in a, dark, in a very dark time in history. This is what God's Word says, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain this to you a little bit more directly. Mary was betrothed, which was kind of like uh, an engagement. Uh, And so in some ways we could say Mary and Joseph, they were engaged to be married, and then sweet, innocent Mary tells Joseph, her fiancé, hey, I'm pregnant. And sweet, innocent Joseph knows, well, um, it ain't my baby. Uh, And Mary's like, yeah, I know. Um, It's from the Holy Spirit. Do you see why this seems like a bit of a mess? Um, This seems a bit scandalous, does it not? You know, whenever we think of the, the Christmas story, and typically think of the, we think, typically think of the manger scene, and we talk about the mess of the disgusting place where Jesus was born with all the smelly animals. Uh, but what's interesting in the story of Matthew is that we don't read uh, anything about the manger scene. It's not that it didn't happen, uh, but remember, this is Joseph's side of the mess. Uh, I guess we could say uh, Mary, uh, maybe Mary remembered her baby being born in a smelly stable, and maybe Joseph just forgot. I don't know. Um, who knows? But this is Joseph's mess, not Mary's. Just think about the thoughts and emotions uh, that Joseph had to have felt. Things like, uh, do I believe her? Uh, How could I believe her? If I did, uh, I'd look like a complete fool. Surely this isn't true. Maybe he's thinking, uh, what in the world does uh, he do? This is a bit of a mess. And look look what he did in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You know, the Bible said Joseph was a just man, a righteous man. He probably felt betrayed prior to this uh, and lied to, uh, like there was some sort of great scandal going on behind him but because he, he sought to do what was right, he didn't shame her. He, he, he resolved to do everything quietly and not cause a ruckus. And look what happens in the next few verses, starting in verse 20. 
Uh, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So here is Joseph, a nice guy, um, trying to do what's right, uh, and then he has a dream, and in his dream, God speaks to him. Uh, and God confirmed to Joseph what he had already confirmed to Mary, uh, which we actually don't have uh, in the Matthew account with God speaking to Mary, because remember, this is Joseph's side of the story. Um, but if you go to the book of Luke, uh, we'd see there that God spoke extensively to Mary uh, about this baby that would be born. Uh, and look what, just kind of look at what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph. He said, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's like, hey, brother. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, what she said is true. So go marry that girl, okay? Uh, which, let's be honest, this seems a bit crazy. Can you imagine what his friends and family may have thought? Um, you're marrying uh, this girl that is pregnant, and it's not your baby. Uh, you're doing it because God spoke to you in a dream. And Joseph says, yes, that's right. Um, y'all, that takes some serious faith. Uh, don't miss Joseph's faith in this story. Faith uh, sometimes look like do, like, looks like doing something that seems a bit crazy. But then look, uh, we get more details in the dream. Look at verse 21. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So a few quick things here. You know, first in the dream, they find out it's a son. Um, they didn't have our modern-day medical uh, equipment, and so this was like the first gender reveal party, okay? Um, it's like, hey, Mary, we're having a son. Oh, yeah, how'd you find out? Well, God told me in a dream. All right, let's go paint the nursery. Um, and then we find out the name, uh, which in my opinion, you know, takes a lot of weight off of the situ- situation because trying to decide a name can be a bit stressful. Uh, but God comes in and tells them their son's name. You know, it's Jesus, which means rescuer or, or savior. And then God says, for he will save his people from their sins, uh, which is a really important part of Christmas that we'll, we'll come back to. And look what happens. Look what it says next in verses uh, 20 and tw- 22 and 23. All this took place to, f- to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so we see that Mary, a virgin, had a son, who would be with his people forever, thus confirming yet another promise that was made hundreds of years earlier, showing us yet again that God is in uh, the promise-keeping business, that he does what he says he'll do, uh, that God has a very, very long history of faithfulness. Uh, And look what happens to close out our passage uh, in verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called uh, his name Jesus. And so Joseph wakes up from his sleep, uh, obeyed the Lord in faith, married her, and allowed Mary to remain a virgin uh, before she gives birth to her son. And then he was born, and they named him Jesus. You know, in the, this Matthew account of Jesus' birth, like I said, it doesn't mention, mention the manger scene, doesn't describe a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, doesn't mention anything about there not being, a room, not being room in the inn. It doesn't mention the angels. It doesn't say anything about the shepherds. Uh, it lacks a lot of detail, uh, much like the three birth stories that I shared you know, with our three kids. In some ways, it kind of feels like, well, is this even the Christmas story? I mean, how can you have a Christmas story without the manger scene, right? 
uh, and the shepherds. You know, I don't know if you've been to any Christmas plays recently. You know, I mentioned this idea earlier, but that's the fun part of the play. You know, seeing all the kids dress up like the animals, dressed in angels, and all the little boys with a marker on their faces for beards, dressed up like shepherds. But this Matthew Christmas story, it doesn't make a very good production. The only thing it says around the actual birth event was that she gave birth to a son. It says word for word, she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's it. That's all it says. It seems pretty unimpressive. But although Joseph's side of the story doesn't put on the best Christmas production, it gets straight to the point, highlighting the importance of Christmas. Because as we'll see in the last 10 minutes of our time or so, um, the few parts of Joseph's side of the story are extremely significant. Uh, are, those things are the names that are mentioned and the promises that are kept, showing us very directly and intentionally the incredible reason for the season, uh, the reason we celebrate Christmas. You all, again, I hate to break it to you. Uh, although fun, Christmas is not about peppermint mochas or tacky Christmas sweaters, uh, but rather it's about Jesus Christ who was born. Uh, but more importantly, that he was born with a purpose. And our Matthew account gets directly to that purpose. It gets to the reason why Jesus was born. And it's because, listen, Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to rescue his people from their sins, and Jesus had to die on the cross to do just that. You know, it, it, that really dampens the Christmas spirit, doesn't it? When we think of Christmas, we often think of Jesus being born and the cute, sweet, uh, eight-pound little, eight little baby Jesus in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, wanting to be cuddled and held. But the true meaning of Christmas, the glory of Christmas, which makes his birth such an incredible celebration, was that Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Savior, uh, the Savior that God's people have waited thousands of years for, has come. The celebration of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, the light has come into the darkness to give hope to a weary world. And this is so important. Hear this. The glory of Christmas is not glorious if Jesus did not go to the cross. Brothers and sisters, as I've already said, Jesus Christ cannot be a light of hope if he does not rescue his people. Jesus being born a baby by itself and ending there is not what gives us hope. It's the first step that leads us to hope. If you're here with us today or maybe you're watching online, Make sure you hear the good news of Christmas. This is the gospel. This, this is the good news that shines bright into a dark and weary world. This is the good no news that brings order uh, into chaos, that helps turn messes into masterpieces, that brings redemption for rebels. And it's this, that Jesus Christ, God's son, was born by a virgin named Mary, and he was born with the purpose, as our passage says in verse 21, to come and save his people from their sins. He came to come and rescue his people. Jesus was not born for Mary and Joseph alone. No, Jesus was born for his people, his people that God created, that he loved, that he endured patiently for, that he came to time and time again. He didn't just come for the people in the Bible as some religious story. No, he came for you and he came for me. He came to come into my mess. He came to come into your mess and to enter into your life and my life and to make us into a wonderful masterpiece. And the only way that he can do that is to save you and me from our sins. Because listen, he sees everything in our lives. He knows every lie we've ever told, every ounce of hate and bitterness we've ever felt, and every subtle destructive problem we've ever hidden. He knows it all, and he sees it all, and yet he still came. 
for you and for me. He came into our hearts and lives and to enter into our mess and to redeem it and to work on our mess with us and help us with it. And the way he rescues us from our sin so that he can begin redeeming our mess is simple. It comes through faith. It comes by believing that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and he went to a bloody cross, dying a criminal's death, dying a death that we deserve for our sins, for our mess and our darkness. And that what can't be missed is that Jesus rose from the dead, showing that Jesus defeated sin and death. Jesus simply being born was not enough to rescue us. Jesus living a perfect life wasn't enough to rescue us. Jesus dying on the cross and remaining dead also was not enough to rescue us. Because if Jesus died and did not rise from the grave, he would not have defeated sin and death, but rather he would have been defeated by sin and death. But no, Jesus rose from the grave, making his tomb empty. Y'all, people have been looking for 2,000 years for this man's grave, for Jesus' body. They've been looking for the body of Jesus that said kingdoms and governments, that he said kingdoms and governments would sit on his shoulders, causing a political uproar. But no, it can't be found because, brothers and sisters, still today, his tomb is empty. The same power that created the world is the same power that made a dead man live. It's the same power that made Jesus Christ rise from the grave. And that same power is the same power that God brings into the hearts and lives of those who believe in him through faith. And using that same astounding power that now lives inside of those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, that same power turns messes into masterpieces and redeems rebels and gives a thrill of hope into a weary weary soul. It helps weary souls rejoice. This is our Emmanuel. This is our God who is with us. Our God is with us in our low points and our high points and also in our mundane everyday life. Our Emmanuel who is with us is with us as we study, as we cook, as we work and clean, as we manage tantrums and change diapers. Uh, He's with us as we walk through hard family situations, as we navigate dating and singleness and the constant unknowns of life. When Jesus Christ was born, it was an incredible announcement that said our God is with us and that our God is here to save us. And so, brothers and sisters, don't miss the incredible good news of Jesus. Don't miss the purpose of Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. It's not for peppermint mochas. It's not for Hallmark Christmas movies. And it's not for the, for, to make gingerbread houses. No, we celebrate Christmas because Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sin and to be with us every step of the way of this thing we call life. Jesus Christ came to bring light into the darkness and to give us a new life, a new direction and a new purpose while reminding us that God has been faithful over and over and over again, that he was faithful to appear once, all the while trusting and knowing he will come back again to fully redeem every mess for us to live in an eternal masterpiece. If you're a Christian, don't miss that today. God has given you many gifts and many desires, but your one grand purpose is to spend your life making your life count for God's everlasting glory, for God's everlasting masterpiece. To spend and be spent for God and his mission, proclaiming the message of the gospel and playing a part of God's redeeming work in your life and the life of of those around you. The Christmas story does not center around Joseph or Mary. No, it centers around Jesus Christ who was born so that he could die to rescue his people from their sin. If you have one focus in your life, make this your one focus. 
to make your life centered around Jesus and join him in his grand rescue mission to save his people from their sin. If this is your one singular aim, we get to, we, and we get to the end of our life and know it was spent well, and so if you're here today or you're watching online, I want to call you to consider this truth if you've not yet considered this truth. I want you to consider this truth to turn the world upside down. That Jesus has come to save you and me from our sin and to live and dwell among us and inside of us uh, and to give us an everlasting hope in the midst of our darkness and our mess and our chaos. If, if you're here today or you're listening or you're, or you're watching online and you want to take a step of faith today to believe in this God, to trust Jesus Christ who is with us, I want you to know that we're here for you. Uh, and we want to take every step of the way with you uh, we want to care for you, we want to help you, we want to serve you, and we want to show you how great our God truly is. If you want to take a step of faith today, maybe, uh, maybe you're by yourself watching this online. Would you tell someone uh, here at New City? Maybe email me, uh, reach out to someone. If you're here with us, would you come talk to me? If you want to be here, if, 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 you, want, uh, if you want to walk this journey with us, we would love to walk it with you. Because I don't have a doubt in my mind that if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, God has a special place and a special purpose for how he will use you in his grand rescue mission to save his people from their sins, to bring more light into darkness. I believe he wants to come into your life just like he did mine uh, and turn your mess into his masterpiece. Brothers and sisters, New City Church, when we celebrate Christmas, it's a celebration that our God is still with us that he is rescuing, uh, he's still rescuing his people and he's still bringing light into the darkness because he is the light. Brothers and sisters, the light has come. Let's pray. God, you are um, here with us if we profess faith in Christ. I pray for those, maybe if they're watching, listening online some, somewhere, Father, those, maybe they're in here with us, Father. We pray that if there are those that are considering trusting in Jesus Christ. That they would be able to come in and profess faith and that we would be able to celebrate with them. God, we know that, that your word never comes back void. Father, we know that uh, the power of your Holy Spirit can prick the hearts of lives and people and, and call people to himself. And we pray, Father, we pray that you would do just that. Father, we love you, we need you, and we, we want to celebrate Christ. Uh, as he was born, but he was born to come and die. We love you. Ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.